All right, friends. Well, good evening. You have your Bibles with you. Uh, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4 for one verse, then we're going to flip over to Mark chapter 10. If you don't have your Bible, that's still where we're going to be. Hey, let me pray. Um, and just before we pray, how many of you, uh, just so I have an idea, how many of you have been, you've kind of been brought up in the church your whole life? Been part of the church, part of a church community for your whole life? Okay. Um, guys, I did the whole church thing when I was growing up, and I did Christian school. Any Christian school brats? Besides myself, yeah. So all, well, not really. Okay, so just me, oh, a couple. Um, where Jesus became a subject in the Bible was a textbook. And you just kind of got the grade. And I had to get the grade because I wanted to go to the right college, you go to the right college, you get the right job, you get the right job, you get the right girl, you get the right girl, you get the perfect life. A lot of pressure when you're in high school, right? And if you screw up one thing, it's like, God's like, well, I try, but you screwed up the whole thing. And we put all this pressure on ourselves, but I just know that at some point, God just became just kind of boring, it's like all the passages in Scripture end the same. All the stories end the same, right? It's not like you can come up and go, hey, there's a new ending. Everything's the same. And so what I'm praying for is that for those of you, those of you who are experiencing that, that maybe this weekend something shifts. And it's not like you have to create it. I don't want to fake anything. I, I'm, I'm way beyond that. But it's like, I just, what, if, what if the Holy Spirit does something while we're together this weekend that we never have seen before? For those of you who are here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, man, my prayer has been, and I've also prayed for those that do know Jesus, but my prayer, even before I came over, I was just spending a couple hours just sitting in my room. I was just praying, God, for those that don't know Jesus, Father, would you draw them to your son? And Holy Spirit, would you convict of sin and show them their need to surrender to the lordship of Jesus and receive this amazing gift by grace of salvation? And for those that do, God, help us to love you even more. So all I'm asking is just give God a, a weekend. Engage in it. Ask the questions when you're, in, when you're in your cabin discussions and ask questions and think through and give answers and try to work through some of this stuff because sometimes God just doesn't make sense. And friends, if you're at that point where it's like, God, I don't, God, you still make sense. You're, I think you're at a better place than you think you are because when God makes sense, that's, that's when you should be worried. God is not like us. He is so different than us. And so that's, I'm just praying that God just does a great work. Does this make sense? So we can, can we pray together? I know this is kind of old school. I don't know if your church has this tradition. And it's not really, I don't like the word tradition, but what if just for this time, I'm not gonna say every time we do this, but what if for tonight, when we pray, what if we stand? We stand, I mean, we'll stand for other things, but what if we stand in honor of the holy God of the universe when we pray? Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is just respectful for people that are here that do love Jesus. So could you just, could you just stand? And then before we tell him what he should do, which I don't even like how we do that sometimes, what if we just pause and get quiet? We just stop and we listen and we remember who it is that we're speaking to. And then we'll move in. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for an evening to be together and we pause before we speak to you for you are God and you are holy. 
God, it's so easy to jump into the norm, just kind of treat you like everything else and treat you like everyone else. And God, I just feel like we need to pause and remember you are God. And we thank you that you want to meet with us and invite us to do so. Holy Spirit, would you move? Would you move in our hearts, those of us who know you? For those that don't, would you move? Would you convict? Father, draw people to Jesus. Father, would you take a feeble attempt at making much of you from your word and do a miraculous thing? Thank you that you want to teach us. I pray that you would keep us teachable to receive. God, thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone who agrees says, amen. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Hey, just one verse, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their mind. Pretty much it's this, in this verse when he says, okay, because of the Lord, like you should change the way that you live. You should change the way you think. You should think you should stop doing certain things and go and do these things over here. But here's the thing. Do you have this really small view of God? Like when you think of Jesus, do you think of the first happy hippie? He's got long hair. He's kind of a surfer dude. He's just kind of, and he never gets mad or glad. He's just kind of, just kind of there. Doesn't really have a whole lot of emotion. When you think of God, like the father, just picture him. Either he's just up in the sky and we kind of control him, tell him what to do, or he's the angry part of the Trinity. Guys, I feel like as I grew up, it's kind of like you think of the father and he's the ticked off one and Jesus is calming him down. Then the Holy Spirit's just running around. We don't know what he's doing. We're freaked out by him. Guys, we got to get back to this understanding of who God is. If I were to ask you, and you don't have to answer out loud, are you afraid of him? You're like, nah, I'm not afraid of him. Really? Is anyone here afraid of the dentist? Like when you walk in, you ever notice when you, when you it's weird, when you, okay, I'm going to, it's like I'm counseling session. When you go into a dentist's office, and I don't know if, you're, if one of your parents is a dentist, I'm so sorry, but there's always that smell. You know that smell when you walk into the dentist's office, you're like, mmm, that smells like death. Like, I don't know what that smell is, but I know that I don't like it. It's like the teeth have been ground down, and then you hear, that, that, that drill sound. For some people, like, you're getting ready to vomit. But it's like, you remember, like, it's just weird. We sit there and go, I'm, not a, I'm afraid of the dentist, but I'm not afraid of God. Because he's my homeboy. Do you realize that no angelic being has ever looked at God and said, you're my homeboy? I mean, you got a picture, like what we just did when we're singing to Jesus, it's not just singing songs. We're entering into what all of heaven has been doing since God created these hundred million angels that are surrounding the throne of Jesus. And they're all in worship of him. And all the saints who have gone before us in worship of Jesus, in awe of who he is. And so when I ask you, are you afraid? If you would ask me, are you afraid? Absolutely, I am. And then he invites us. No, 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 don't be afraid. It's kind of like this. When I was growing up, my dad, my dad was a cop growing up. And uh, at the time, he's about 6'4", about 280, big, giant man. And I, I, he's lost some inches, so I've got him. Like, I'm taller than he is now, which is awesome. And I think I could take him, but he always says that he can't, even though he's 74, but I think I could drop kick him. So I, I think it could happen. But I, and growing up, he was just larger than life. And as a cop, he carried his duty weapon, was called, it's called a 357 Magnum, six-inch barrel. This thing was like a cannon. This is who, <laughs> this is who would come home on his police motorcycle. If, and don't think that mom was afraid to. If we got in trouble, mom, mom let us have it. Rightfully so. But she was always so cute. No one ever believes me when I say this. 
You guys remember the first Jurassic Park? You ever seen that one? You remember the small little, the small little dinosaurs? They just kind of walk. That's mom. Like, that's mom. She just had this ability to just kind of land us. And then she said this, wait till your dad gets home. So go to your room and think about what you've done. I'm like, I don't want to think about what I've done. I'm just going to think about my dad. And so I go in and my dad knew if we didn't make it out of the garage to open the garage for him, he knew we were in trouble. So all of a sudden I'd hear him, he'd honk the horn and I know this is it, this is it. God, you can take my life, you can come back now, the rapture, I don't care, just something that he doesn't come through. Because you can hear him walk through. So he had these massive boots and it's like listening to Darth Vader. It's like, he's walking through the kitchen and it's just, he's got his whole gear on, gun, everything. And then the door opens. So my door shut, once it opens, it sounds like this chamber. And there he is standing there. He's like, Brian, why don't you tell me what you've done? I'm like, I don't want to tell you because what if what I'm telling you is not what you think I should tell you because then you know two things and I ain't going to do that. So I'm like, I'm going to plead the fifth because you're legal and I'm not going to do it. And he says, so he's like, hey, let's talk about it. But I was terrified of him. But I know that this is the guy who would protect me no matter what. See, there's this fear of him and, and yet there's not a man that I respect more. Guys, my, my fear for some of you is that you've gotten so used to Jesus that he's just Jesus. Some statistics I always use. Guys, do you realize that right now you're spinning on a planet at 1,000 miles an hour? Like right now, the earth is doing this at 1,000 miles an hour. Does anybody else get motion sickness besides myself? I get motion sickness on swings. I'm not even joking. I remember getting on a swing once because I felt like the Lord told me to, and I just felt like a total dork because it's me and a bunch of kids. I'm like, ding, ding, ding. So I'm doing it, and I got three in. I'm like, oh, I just want to throw up. I just don't, I don't do well. Guys, 1,000 miles an hour. Do you feel it? Because if you do, you need medication. So they're going 1,000 miles an hour. We're going at 66,000 miles around the sun. So while we're going 1,000 miles an hour, we're going around the sun at 66,000 miles an hour. And then while all that's happening, the sun and the nine planets, yes, I put Pluto back in there because I don't know why they keep taking them out. So the sun and the nine planets, Pluto included, we're going around the nucleus of the Milky Way galaxy at 540,000 miles an hour. All that is happening right now. What makes you think you're in control of anything? Aren't you just hoping you don't crash? Like God is the one who holds it all together. It's in Colossians chapter one that Jesus holds all things together. That the stars are created. When God breathed out, he breathed out the stars according to the psalmist in Psalm 33. He breathed out the stars. Then when Jesus exhaled, the sun popped out. That's impressive. That means the closest that we can get to the exhale of God Guys, it's, it's so far away. 1.3 million earths will fit inside of the sun. And he just was like, that's how, it, that's how it happens. 93 million miles away. Guys, any closer we would die. And your bodies? Guys, you have 30 trillion cells, give or take, in your body. Every three seconds, 50,000 of them die off and are replaced by 50,000 new ones. And each of those three, 30 trillion cells all have DNA in them. A DNA strand about six feet long. If you, if you stretched out one DNA strand, it's about six feet long. If we took the DNA out of my, out of my body, out of all the, cells, out, out of all the cells, and tied them end to end, guys, that's enough DNA to go from here to the moon and back. 187,000 times. So when the Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made... Guys, it's true. Guys, the galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy is so big, it takes 120,000 light years to go from one end to the other. 
That means go 186,000 miles per second for, 100, for 120,000 years and you'll get from one, one end to the other. And the Bible says that God measures the universe, not just the galaxy, the universe with the span of his hand. Guys, there's dozens of different types of, of tomatoes. Did you know that? I thought there was one. Like what you put on a burger. There's hundreds of different types of bananas. I'm like, really? I thought there were two. I thought there was organic and non-organic. Like, I thought that's all there was. But why do this? Because he can. You ever looked at a hippo? Like a hippopotamus. You ever looked at that and was like, what were you thinking, God? Like, what is that animal about? Does anybody remember that game? I don't know. These might be here, the youngins. All the old people are like, I love this game. Hungry, hungry hippo. Oh, oh my gosh, I didn't think, because I just thought you had apps. Like, this is, like, this is, our, this is our day of fun. Get a, get, make a game, and you put hippo heads, four, right, four? Yeah. And you stick all the marbles in the middle, go, and then you just start pounding, and you're like, I love this game, and the heads are going like this, you're like, I love it. <laughs> Guys, do you realize that there are more people mauled to death by hippos every year than by lions? You know why that is? Because we created a stupid game called Hungry Hungry Hippos. We're like, I love you. I love you. I just want to put my face on your face. It's weird. But God created that. Because you know when the zebra gives birth, mama zebra takes baby zebra away from the rest of the, what do you call them, crew? I don't know what the rest of them are called. Takes them aside. Which if you think about it makes sense. Could you imagine baby zebra popping out and then looking around? Mom? Walks up to one mom, I'm a guy, oh, sorry, and then walks, like, they all look the same. And here's God going, this is how creative I am. This is how massive I am. Friends, when's the last time you told that God what to do? Because angelic beings who have surrounded the throne, in Isaiah chapter six, when Isaiah said he, had, he got to see the Lord, angelic beings were saying this, holy Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And I know that for some of you, you go, okay, if he's so great, then why doesn't he do this or this or this or this? And you can't even keep your room clean. Like he's, he's got to be more organized. He's got to get all this stuff put together. And your trunk, if you drive, your trunk looks horrible. Isn't it amazing how quick we are to question God at being God? And we're not even that great at being human. Guys, until we get a proper view of who God is, we will, not, we will not approach him correctly. Friends, there should be times where, yes, I can laugh and joke and I can just be, just sit around and just chat with Jesus and then sometimes I just gotta go, okay, who am I talking to right now? I'm talking to the one who breathed out the stars. Guys, he breathed out Canis Majoris. It's the biggest star that they have found. I don't even know who they are, but they're the smart people. Canis Majoris, you know what it literally means? The big dog. Isn't that a great name? Like if I had another kid, I would name him Canis Majoris Holland. Because oh, this is my big dog son. Like this is the big dog one. Guys, you can fit seven quadrillion earths inside of this one star. I don't even get that number. That's like the national debt, but I don't understand like the magnitude of it. It's huge. And this is what we do with God. We go, oh God, what? Thank you for this day, because that's how you dial the number. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day, and yet I don't talk to anyone like that. I don't talk to my wife like that. Dear Kelly, thank you for this day. 
I don't treat any other relationship. I don't have any conversation like that. But when's the last time I just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to talk to him. The one that and fiery beings are facing in worship. And I just treat him as just Jesus. We're going to try to fly through this. In Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 46, it says, And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and the great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. You know what I love about this part in, in Mark is that Mark named him. Guys, you know how easy it is to pass by those who ask for, ask for a buck or to just chuck it at him real quick to move on? all the while forgetting that they're created in the very image of God. And they're there, therefore they have intrinsic value because of their creator, not because of their circumstances. And isn't it something important to us when someone remembers your name? Doesn't it mean something to you? Is anybody else bad with names? I am. I try to, I've heard that you repeat the name at least three times in the conversation, but then you kind of sound like a stalker. Oh, your, name, your name's Jojo. Hey, jo- Jojo, it's great to meet you, Jojo. I'm so glad that you're here, Jojo. It's like you keep saying it, just insane, it sounds awkward. But when somebody remembers your name, it means something. I love the fact that Mark writes down his name Bartimaeus. Why? Because it makes him feel human. And he's the son of Timaeus. He's just this normal guy. And he's a, he's a blind guy and he's a beggar. And it says that Jesus is leaving Jericho and there's this crowd there. And so it's kind of like, it doesn't say it, but it, it's, it was customary in that time that Jesus being a rabbi, he would walk along and then his disciples would be walking with him as he taught them and the crowd would be listening to him as he's speaking. And so just picture Jesus is walking along and as he goes, then Bartimaeus does this. Verse 47, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Guys, he's screaming that out. Jesus, and he says, son of David. Guys, that's a messianic title. He believes him to be the Messiah that they've been waiting for. And then he says, have mercy on me. And watch verse 48. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. They looked and said, shut up. Guys, in your worship services, if you're part of them, or your youth group, do you have fill in the blanks? Somebody do that? Like they'll give you a little outline, you fill in the blanks. And there's this pressure, I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta fill them all out or I'm not a real Christian. Like my salvation's based on this. It's like we start to follow this pressure and I wanna hear them all. So can you picture, here's this guy in the back. Jesus is walking along, talking, the crowd's listening and Jesus, he's, he's talking. This guy starts screaming out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then someone turns around and says, would you shut up? I missed number three. Like I don't know what number three was. Who got number three? Shut up, B, shut up, shut up, Bart. And so can you, here's what Bart, I want to meet this guy. Verse 48, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. I like him, he's got sass. So they walk up, shut up. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry, you couldn't hear? Oh, I can't see. Oh, hey, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. He just keeps going, just screaming. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. Can I do a side note for some of you? Maybe, I don't, I don't feel like I got any, I don't feel like I had received any word. Maybe for some of you, you don't feel noticed. I need to remind you that Jesus will stop the parade for you and Jesus will call you. He will stop the masses for the one. He will leave the masses for the one. Guys, when you read the gospel accounts, 
Compare the times that Jesus does something for the one compared to the masses, and it's always the one that outnumbers the masses. He will stop for you, but my question to you is this, are you calling out to him? And so Jesus, it's almost like, can you look at as he hears him yelling, and maybe he's not even facing the right way, he's like, Jesus, son of David, he's just screaming because he can't see, he's just going for it. Guys, this is desperation. And Jesus stops, and he's like, can you hear him? Would you call him? And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he's calling you. Isn't it weird? These are the same people that just got done rebuking him. Can you imagine he's just, as he's standing there, he's sitting there, because he'll stand up in a second, he's sitting there, he's just screaming out. And all of a sudden, a person comes up, hey, he's calling you, get up. And he's like, didn't you just tell me to shut up? No, no, that wasn't me, that was my wife. She's got a deep voice, you're fine. No, no, come on, come on. And it says they brought him to Jesus. But watch what he does in verse 50. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Go back one page. Chapter 10, verse 17. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Do you ever wonder if Jesus is, has a hard time with attention? The question was, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus goes, wait, 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 wait. Why are you calling me good? Only God is good. Focus, Jesus. Focus, focus, focus. Give me eyes, eyes, ears, ears. Pay attention. Why do you call me good? Only God is good. And then he starts to go through some of the Ten Commandments. And then notice the man in verse 20. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. And then you'll see four things that he mentions. Go sell all that you have. Give to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Follow me. What's the one thing, though? Well, notice, first time he mentions Jesus or looks at Jesus, he calls him what? Do you remember? Two words. The first one's good teacher. And all of a sudden, the second time, Jesus says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. Man's thinking through. Second time he addresses him, he calls him teacher. What happened to the good? Remember, Jesus just got done saying, hey, no one's good except God alone. Can you imagine this man sitting there going, I've got to figure out who I think you are because only God is good. So are you really God? Are you really good? Isn't it amazing the first time he calls him good teacher because maybe he just thought, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe you're a good teacher. And then he goes, oh, but only God is good. Okay, so just teacher. Is it possible that one thing that Jesus said you lack was this? You do not recognize me. Because if you did recognize who it is that is speaking to you, and when I give this invitation, I want you to go home. I want you to sell everything you have. I want you to take the money and give it all the way to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven and then follow me. Friends, when we recognize the value of the one who's inviting us, we'll give up everything for that person. When we realize that it's God who owns everything, almighty being, creator of the universe, alpha, omega, beginning, and the end, we recognize who Jesus is. And then he calls us and invites us to follow him when we recognize his value. Of course we'll say whatever you want. I'll give it all up. When you, when you contrast that, go back to the end of Mark again. Verse 50, and throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. What's the importance of that? What's the significance of throwing off his cloak? Because his cloak was everything he owned. Everything. It'd be what he used as his bank, what he collected money with, that people gave it to him. Guys, it's what he would use to warm up if he's cold. 
It might be his home. Maybe he lives outside and he just uses it as shelter. This is everything, and he springs up and chucks it. Guys, I have no clue if he was close by when Jesus has this conversation with this rich, with this rich young man. But isn't it amazing that the one who had everything and, and could see clearly physically did not recognize Jesus, but the one who was blind and had nothing recognized him to be the Messiah? Isn't it amazing? And sometimes, maybe for some of you, you wonder why you're in the hardest part of your life. And I, guys, I can't say why. But I know for me, as we've gone through things as a family, I cannot tell you how often God has used the difficult to bring me back into an awareness of who he is. Because isn't it amazing how much more we pray when it's hard than when it's easy? Isn't it amazing how much more we'll talk to Jesus when it's difficult than we'll talk to him when everything's comfortable? Isn't it amazing that the one who had everything did not follow Jesus because he didn't, seem that, he didn't think that Jesus was worth it, but the one who had nothing was willing to give it all up? Verse 51, and Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, no. No, that's why you bring your Bible. This is what he says, okay? And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Now here's the part that hit me, and this is where we're starting to land the plane. Notice what he says, go your way. Your faith has made you well. So it's like, go wherever you want. Go where you want to go. And notice the man's response. He didn't just say, hey, thanks, I'm out of here, see you later. Notice what he says. It says, and immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Why? It's almost like when Jesus says, go your way, the blind guy goes, man, my way is your way. I'm not going anywhere that you're not going. Where you go, I go. One, he recognized who Jesus was. And because he recognized who Jesus was, he approached him correctly. And then God did this miraculous thing in his life. The thing with the rich young guy who had everything, verse 22, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possession. And that's all we hear about him. And the thing is that Jesus let him go. He loved him. It says it in the passage, he loved him, but he let him go. Friends, I gotta be honest. I think for far too long, we've had this idea that this is the gospel message. The gospel message is this, God loves you, has a plan for your life. That is a fraction of it. If you do this for Jesus, then he'll do this for you like a bartering system. Until I come to the place and I go, God, I deserve nothing from you, nothing. I don't have to, I mean, nothing. That way, anything that I get from God is a gift. Friends, there was this, um, oh, maybe 16 years ago, so I think those I've met before, you don't hear this, but I remember the first time I got that phone call. And I know that for some of you, you got the same phone call. That my wife was at the doctor and we had a one-month-old and a two-year-old. And she calls me in my office at the church building and she said, are you sitting down? And I said, no, and I sat down. She goes, I have cancer. Guys, I gotta be honest, through that whole process, God and I had it out. I wish I could tell you that I was always polite. I was always a politeful prayer. 
Guys, some of you are really polite when you pray. You're just liars when you do. Like, do you read the Psalms? You ever read the Psalms and was like, David, you're kind of out of your mind a little bit. Like one day you're just ecstatic. God's the greatest. He's so wonderful. The next day I want to die. It's like, he's all over the place. You know what taught me how to pray? When in Psalm 13, David looks at God and says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will you hide your face from me? Those are the prayers that God introduced me to. I remember leaving that office and my assistant, her name was Marguerite, and she was this little old grandma. And she's our full-time assistant for the youth department, which is awesome. We have all these crazy youth pastors doing our stuff, like having sock wars and junk. And then there's Marguerite in the middle of all the socks flying by. You don't hit Marguerite because you don't mess with grandma. But grandma always had our back. So as I started to walk out, I had my glasses on. She goes, stop. She goes, what's the matter? I said, nothing. She goes, you're lying. And I told her. She goes, I'm going to use the intercom. I'm going to get the whole staff together. We're going to pray. I was like, no, not right now. I said, I got to get out. I got to get out of here. And she goes, you got 60 seconds. And then I'm going to do it. Because I can't tell grandma no. She has all the power. Right? So I bolt downstairs and I jump in the car and I drove and I made it to the parking lot of our church. I'm out of one parking lot into the next. And I just cried out. I was mad. I was mad when... She had to go in for surgery and have a thyroid removed. I was mad when she had to go through radioactive iodine treatment and I had to leave her in a room by herself for a week and I couldn't, I could go in and visit with a monitor and from here to the second, no, here to the fourth row. That's as close as I could be for five minutes. I went one time, I couldn't handle it. I, I could talk longer on the phone. I was there when we thought she was healed and she wasn't. I was there for the second surgery, and, and yet God was with me the whole time, and he let me say what I needed to say, but man, there was a, came a point. I remember she came home one day from a, a, a test, and the boys were in their nap, they were taking naps, so I didn't go with her because I had to watch the boys, and she came home, and I said, well, what'd they say? And she said, well, uh, they think they might have seen something on my brain. I gotta go to the store. <laughs> and then she walked out, and in my head, I'm like, Wait, I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> you just dropped a bomb on me and you're gonna go buy some salami. Like, I don't understand, I don't understand how this works. She literally went and I'm just sitting there on the couch and I'm like, what do I do with this? And I started to cry and I remember a, a, a message that a buddy of mine preached when he said, hey, this is what Jesus invites you to as a follower of Jesus and you have to decide whether or not he's worth it. When Jesus said, hey, if you wanna be found worthy to be my disciple, you must deny yourself Pick up your cross daily and follow me. That does not sound like this. Pray this prayer and you're fine. Is that what it sounds like? To deny myself, to pick up a cross, a form of execution, to pick up my death and to follow you? Denying self, what's it mean? We just keep all the bad stuff away. It's like hug everything that's bad or hug everything that's good and keep all the bad stuff away. But what if that's not denying self? That's just self-denial. I remember he said this. He said, that's not, not denying self, that's just self-denial. When he says deny self, deny self means you don't bear hug anything, you do this with everything. 
And when he preached it, I was like, man, that'll preach. I just didn't want to have to live it. Because on that couch, before a holy God crying out to him, I took my hands and I, I slammed them in my lap with my palms up. And I said, she's yours, God. But if you decide to take her, you better help me with the pain. You say, oh, you got kind of demanding. Yeah. And I'm so thankful that God's big enough for it. And he's also brought me back to this. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Friends, I'm thankful that I still get to live with and be with my wife. I'm thankful that she doesn't have cancer. And yet for some of you, that's not how it ended for you. They still died, or they still have it. Can I just invite you, be honest with him, and be audacious enough to ask for the big things. Call out to him. Because I think so often we're just trying to ask for things that's not too hard. You ever, okay, you ever prayed for someone and then use that line, which we should, we're supposed to, but not my will, your will be done. I think that's true, you're supposed to say it. But how many of you ever said that because you're not quite sure if God is actually gonna heal them, so you just put that in there so they know it's not your fault? Anybody else besides me? No, just me. Man, lately, God's been changing me. God's been ripping me apart. God's been doing a work in me, and I am so thankful. So guys, don't picture, hey, the dude up there, he's got his life together. No, no, I'm still learning. God's doing this great work. So instead of saying, you're, you're my, not my will, your will be done, which I believe that, I want that. This is what I say. In the name of Jesus, would you heal them? And then I ask, did he do it? And sometimes they say no. Other times they go, I think I feel a little bit better. You're like, oh, that's just emotion. Oh, but what if it's faith? What if it's good? What if God stepped in? Guys, he recognized Jesus for who he was. And he gave everything up to follow him. But when Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? I love the fact that he was audacious enough to say, would you let me recover my sight? Like the big thing. You give me three minutes. Can you do three minutes with me? There's this young lady. Uh, she would show up on our Thursday night worship service, which is the one that I was leading for a long time. This is years ago. And when I was done, I, I mean, she came with her boyfriend. I never got to talk to her. I, when I, whenever I finished, it's like the swarms just kind of took the aisle and then we'd, we'd start talking and they always left super quick. So I never got to talk to them. So one Sunday morning, they never came on a Sunday morning, but they showed up and I saw them. So I was like, okay, afterwards I'm gonna chase them down, which sounds like I would, I'm not gonna tackle them, but just chase them down and start talking to them. So at the end, the senior pastor says, hey, if you want prayer, the senior, pa the, I'm sorry, the pastors would be up front if you want prayer. I'm like, oh, you didn't even warn us. So I'm searching Google for a prayer. I'm just joking. So I'm standing up front and waiting. Nobody comes during the song. After it's all over, here comes this couple. I was like, oh, I'm so glad I finally get to meet you. I've been wanting to meet you for a couple months. I haven't been able to, and so we go through it. I said, how can I pray for you? And so she says, oh, could you pray for my shoulder? And she starts to tear up for her shoulder. Now in my head, I'm like, for a shoulder? Like, you're, why are you crying for a shoulder? 
And I said, well, what's going on? Because it sounds like it's more than just your shoulder. And she goes, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a PhD student at USC uh, for physical therapy. And then she can't get the words out. You ever, been to, you ever been to a wedding where dad's trying to do the toast? Father of the bride's trying to do the toast and the noises come out? He's like, I just want to, and it just kind of comes out. I, I told myself, I'm not going to lose it. And they lose it every time. So that's what kind of happens to her. I said, oh, I think I get it. If God doesn't come through, you can't do what you've always wanted to do. She just nods. I said, well, let's pray. And so I put my hand on his shoulder, and, and then I put my hand on her shoulder. Not hard. I'm like, I didn't do that because it's the one that hurt. So I lightly put my hand on his shoulder. And this is the thought that came to my mind. This is the passage that came to my mind. When a leprous man comes to Jesus in Matthew chapter 8, he simply says this. Lord, if you want to, you can heal me. You can make me clean. Lord, if you want to, you can make me clean. So this is what I prayed. Lord, if you want to, you can heal her. Amen. When I said amen, she looked up with this look on her face like, that's it? Like, you're a professional? Like, I came to you, I mean, I could have said that to myself. I mean, that's all that she got? That's kind of what the look looked like. Now, she's being so sweet about it. It was this look. It was this look. So I looked at her and said, how's it feel? She starts doing it. She goes, I think it feels better. Now, this is the skeptical side of me going, ah, whatever. And I didn't say that. Oh, whatever. I was like, mm, okay. I said, how about this? Gave her my email. Email me tomorrow. Tell me how you're doing. Next day, I, get to, I, I walk in. And then it's this long email. Now, guys, if you get a long email from someone, it could be really good or it could be really bad. So I bear down. I sit down, get ready, okay, read through it. And it starts off something like this. Brian, last night's the first night in years that I've slept through the night without any pain. I screamed. I was like, ah! My assistant's sitting outside. She goes, are you okay? I'm just reading emails because <laughs> I guess I get excited when I read emails. And so and then I keep reading. And at the end, she said, Brian, even if it's only for one night, I know that my God is able. So I replied back, but do you ever get a long message from someone you feel the pressure to give the same length message? It's not fair, because she's all super excited, and I am too, but she is able to write it all out. So I'm like, where do I, that's a long one. Hey, Michelle, how are you? What's up? What's your favorite shrub? Like, I don't know what else to talk about. So I just start going through, this is amazing. I can't believe, hey, in two days, I want you to email me back. So Wednesday comes, I can't wait. So I email her. She gets back to me. Brian, I went swimming yesterday. It didn't hurt. I'm like, what the? Are you kidding me? So then I'm all jacked up for prayer. The week after, she comes to the worship service. She goes, Brian, can I tell you something else that happened? I'm like, no, I'm tired of your miracles. <laughs> I said, sure. And she goes, I went to my physical therapist uh, today. It was that same day. And he starts doing that Frankenstein stuff. Oh my gosh, you do that pop? She starts just doing all that stuff. And he looks at it and says, I don't understand. It's like you never got hurt. And I'm like, are you kidding me? It worked. Now I can write a book and make millions. It's going to be awesome. It's like I'll be speaking around the world because I'm a faith healer. I'm not. I just prayed and had the audacity to just tell God, if you want to, you can. Guys, that God who measures the universe with the span of his hand loves you, cares for you, but he is holy. He is not homeboy. He is holy God of holy God. And the reason, the reason that Jesus came was to save us from the coming wrath of God. But for God so loved the world that he gave, his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Friends, God loves you 
with a love that is as big as he is, which is limitless. But he's holy and he's terrifying. Friends, that's God. A feeble attempt at making much of an unlimited, limitless, perfect, holy being. Let me pray. Father, we give you thanks that you are so beyond us and you are so intimate with us. God, thank you. I thank you for our time this weekend that we get to have. And God, please, I beg you, would you please, in the name of Jesus, would you do something you've never done before that leaves all of us amazed and blown away, not being able to quote unquote explain it away, but just bowing in holy reverence and humble, a humility, God, that just leaves us crying out, God, that's you. And God, for those students who are here tonight, God, may they hear the question that you asked the blind guy, Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? God, would you help them answer that honestly? Whatever it is, may they be audacious in their response. And God, would you do something pretty rad? God, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone who agrees says, amen. Love you more than you know. <clears throat>